What's up, guys? Welcome back to my podcast. This is Pipe Dream Etiquette with your host, Xavier Terminal. Today, we're doing a small mini episode. This is actually for a assignment I'm doing, uh, wrapping up for my internship. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of transparency here. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts, opinions, some of the really great things I like about this internship. So first of all, this internship was with uh, Moore Park College. It's called PrEP. Um, it is a psychological research exploration program, P-R-E-P, PrEP. That's what it stands for. Um, I had a really great time. So first of all, I need to give you some context. I'm a psychology major in economics. So I look into the social, broadly speaking, uh, I work in the social sciences. That's really just what interests me. But the overarching themes are looking at how humans make decision make how humans make decisions and uh you know behavior that relates to that um and so one of the main well before i get into that i would first really like to give a huge thank you to my more part faculty advisor uh her name is professor schaefer i know her as christina she's been so amazing in helping me giving me feedback um and she's really been a mentor to me so part of this program was that uh you got to kind of step up into a different position as I think different from what I've experienced. Um, So one of the things I really liked was that uh, I kind of stopped being a student when I was working on this internship. I got to work with professors and researchers and talkers as a colleague. And there was something interesting I experienced because suddenly it wasn't, you know, hey, professor, can I ask you a question? Is you know pulling my phone out and going, hey, I read your research paper. Uh, what about this and this? And so it was a really different experience, and it's something I happen to enjoy. Um, I think a lot of people might, but you need to be able to get lost in a piece of literature and walk away just going, oh, that was amazing. That that was that was great. So it's definitely not for everyone, but you know, yeah. Um, so huge thank you to Professor Schaefer. Um, Another thank you to uh, Julie Campbell at Moore Park College. I really appreciate her. She's the internship coordinator. Again, done tremendous things for me. Uh, just in the re- helping me find my passion in research, and you know, couldn't think her enough. So many things. And finally, um, for my professional contact over at CSUCI, there's a professor. She teaches behavior. She does work research in behavioral neuroscience. Um, her name's Dr. Thayer. She so kindly offered me um, to tour her lab. That was another part of this internship. Uh, I got to look at what it is. She's a quantitative researcher. Quantitative researcher. She looks at examining the role of estrogen in mediating, mediating the relationship between multitasking and other cognitive functions such as attention and spatial adi- spatial abilities in females. So she gave me so much in terms of experiencing being able to come to CSUCI, come check out our lab, sit in a, uh, a lecture, and then finally be able to ask her some personal questions at the end of the day. So huge thank you um, to those three who really made this internship great. Anyways, um, yeah, so getting into it, I already talked about some of the, some of the really interesting things, but um, generally speaking for everyone listening, not associated with this internship, uh, I, I do want to I do want to prompt you guys and ask that you 
go out and try new things. Like that sounds so vague. It sounds so obvious. But one of the great things about one of the things I really liked about this internship is it was so focused on exploration. It was so focused on, you know, you're not going to, you, you, there's going to be things in this internship that you don't like. Right. And that, that's okay. Right. And I think a lot of people would find a lot more things they like if they weren't afraid to do something and just go, okay, I really didn't like doing that, but I did it. Great. Um, so kind of just not being afraid to work hard, uh, work hard and try new things. Um, because I've definitely heard some people in the past, they didn't like this internship, but that in itself gives valuable information that in itself goes great. You know, I, I don't like research. That's great. Um, and to me, if, the, if, if I was in that situation, that just solidifies what I'm doing as the right thing. Um, I happen to have the into this experience where I really appreciated this. I appreciated the nuances of creating research, all the collaboration that goes into it, all the the ingenious ingenious when creating a design and the entire process, all of it. Um, I think it's just, I think it's wonderful to, to be at the cutting edge of this. Um, yeah, so I just wanna share a couple of things. This is kind of going a little bit more towards my project. Um, so yeah, I got to, I, I had the fortune to analyze a, analyze a book. It's called The Knowledge Illusion. Um, it's from Professor Stephen Sloman and Philip Fernback. They are cognitive sciences, among many other things, at Brown University. Brown happened to be one of the places I did apply. I'm hearing back soon. So uh, hopefully, maybe you guys will get some episodes from Brown University students. We, we shall see. Um, Stephen Sloman, Dr. Sloman, uh, specifically, he is the concentration advisor for the major I actually applied to, which is the behavioral decision sciences. Um, and that's just, you know, it, it's an entire, uh, Brown calls them concentrations. It's an entire concentration on analyzing how humans make decisions, right? From, from my understanding, that that's what it is. I hope I should know I apply there. <laughs> and so um, him and I, I, I believe he's an adjunct professor now, Philip Fernback, another cognitive science, cognitive scientist. Um, they wrote about something, a phenomenon they called the knowledge illusion. And so, you know, the, the basic of this book, this entire book uh, has to do with understanding our mind and how knowledge is perceived and understood in the world. So the main underlying theme of their book that they trying to get across is there is a gap in between what we think we know and what we actually know that is often misunderstood or misrepresent or not understood or misrepresentative. There are countless uh, anecdotal stories both professors provide. I highly recommend the book. I thought it was amazing just uh, they analyze it from so many different lens. I mean, really tying into the research they most likely do at Brown, which is um, as cognitive science, they don't work in just one discipline. They're they're pulling from many, you know, neuroscience. Uh, I think neuroscience happens to be one of the only subjects they, they don't call on. But I mean, uh, talking about philosophy, talking about, you know, logic, talking about all these different concepts and pulling it in to, to show you to show you this concept in kind of different languages of academia. Um, and so 
on this cool little presentation board I made. Um, I've got a couple questions. Well, we'll skip over that. Um, yeah, so I got to read that The Knowledge Illusion. I got to read it this semester. Really good experience. Um, one of the interesting things I started doing this semester, thanks to this internship, and this was really, really impromptu, really on the fly that I just started doing it. I got really interested into, um, I, I get what I called it, it's comparative nomenclature, but what it is, it's really just looking at a concept in, you know, a classical concept in one lens and applying it to another field where that standard may be non-traditional. Um, and I found you can get a lot of really interesting insights, even if it's just, even if it creates something a little arbitrary, a little bit like trivial, sometimes you get something that's like, wow, that's, that's kind of profound to look at it from that direction. Um, so I started writing a book, actually. Um, it's slowly making progress. Um, it's called Health Psychology Across Disciplines. And so the, the basic pitch, I'm going to try this, do it in like a minute or less, is you have uh, tons of lessons from health psychology that are super applicable, but I think so many professions don't understand quite the, they don't quite have an understanding. So the point is to pull these principles out and put them into the actual language of these different academic subjects. Um, and by doing that, I'm hoping to appeal to these professionals in an understanding, in a language, and an understanding they're more familiar with. Um, yeah, so let me give you an example. So uh, the, the one I written out that kind of started this whole thing was it was looking at stress and coping skills in accounting. Um, and so the, the full kind of story goes that I was in my financial accounting class and my professor was, she was talking about, hey, you know, I notice I always get SIG after tax day, which is, uh, she also runs her own accounting firm. So she does a lot of taxes for a lot of people, uh, income taxes, all that stuff. And so she's like, but I never knew why. And so I said, oh, you know what? I've heard of this phenomenon before. Um, I, I can't recall the actual name of it, but there's something similar where students after finals, they all get sick. I, like they all get sick over winter break because they're pushing so hard during the fall and then they let up and they stop, they get sick and then they come back for the spring semester. And so it's something similar that was happening. And so I was, I was trying to explain this to her and it was interesting because uh, she, she pipes up and goes, so the only way to not get sick is just to keep working forever. And it was such a misunderstanding. I said, you know, how can I convey this in such a way that she would understand? So, you know, I, I sat down with a piece of paper and pen and going, oh, well, why don't I put it in accounting? Because at the the start of the at the start of this financial accounting class, you get like the the broad, you know, general definitions for all your concepts and why you're doing things. And one of the main emphasis is that accounting is the language of business. And so I said, you know what, why don't I put what I'm trying to say into the language of business? Why don't I try putting it into, you know, terminology or the nomenclature of accounting? And so what I came out with was something really interesting. And, and it actually, uh, my professor actually, okay, not only and she enjoyed it because I think it was something creative, but I think she actually got the, the concept better. So for anyone who's 
I guess I'll just explain a little bit of the fundamentals of accounting. Um, so you, you use this method called the double entry bookkeeping method. You essentially put something in twice, uh, one transaction, one transaction in twice, so that you you can essentially double check that your debits or an increasing account um, and your credits uh, equal each other, right? So two terms, debits, one that's um, like a positive account, you can have a debit increase or decrease. So uh, what I said a second ago was, was a little bit misrepresentative. So a debit account that can increase or decrease, but that is kind of known as a positive account. And then a credit account, which is kind of known as the negative account. So again, a credit account can increase or decrease, but generally speaking, the debit is a, a positive account and credits are a negative account. Um, and so what I'd done is I, you know, instead of working with cash or, you know, for people who are a little bit more familiar accounts receivable or things like that, what I said is, why don't we have a currency of stress, right? So stress is something that's actually pretty liquid, right? So if you're analyzing financial assets and looking at things like that, it's actually a pretty good representation of cash in the, I mean, non-fiscal world right? You may spend 15 minutes to go do a certain task with this specific uh, reward in mind. The same way a business might spend, you know, $15,000 or on a lot more of a smaller scale, they might spend $50 uh, to have an employee stay overtime for two hours, whatever it happens to be. Stress, it's something really liquid and long-term, right? The same way cash is. You can, I won't go to it in it, but just one more little example is you could have something like uh, on the you know not positive side of that would be like trauma, right? That's a long-term form of stress. And that may not be a technical uh, adequate example. That, that may not be perfect representation of what trauma actually is, but you get the idea. Um, and so what I had done is you turn stress into something called a contra asset account. Um, I'll try and give a brief description of that, but I don't want to go too much into detail on this. What it is occasionally to have debits equals credits. You have an account that may be looking like it's supposed to be a credit and you call it a contra asset, put in the debits um, so that you can have it equal another credit. So it's kind of like just a technical term to, to have it a credit credit account be on the debit account. These are pretty uncommon, but um, just for the sake of this, we're having stress equal debit. Uh, so that's on the positive side. And then what I actually wrote out on the credit side is a conglomeration of coping skills. And so what I did is if we debit stress for let's just say 100 units, right? The units are kind of irrelevant. But what we need is we need a certain number of units of our coping skills to add up to this, add up to this unit score of 100 on stress, right? And these can come from many topics. And so the point is that I pull this from my book, from the classic understanding of health psychology, and I put it into accounting. So what I have written down is uh, maybe you get 30 units from a being an effective time management or having effective time management. Maybe you get 30 units from planning out your day and stuff like that. Maybe you get 15 
15 units from social support. Maybe you get 20 units from having an extra 30 minutes of sleep. And maybe you have 15 from miscellaneous great encounters, whatever it happens to be. And so the, the point is that if you're not having debits equals credits in the situation of my professor, there's this natural inequality where you go, oh, okay, well, that's not right. Because this is someone who's worked with, you know, debits must equal credits for two decades of their life. How, however long my professor has been working with uh, these concepts. And so there's this conceptual understanding that's not represented in typical, you know, I, I guess English, the way I'm conveying story right now, uh, that she was able to understand. And so long-winded way of um, kind of a pitch about what this book is going to be. Um, I plan on doing different chapters in accounting, in uh, math and kind of calculus, looking at uh, like the derivative of behavior or like the rate of change, instantaneous rate of change, uh, economics, and then of course put it in psycholog put psychology in psycho psychological terms. Um, so yeah, that that that's been a whole project. I've put a good amount of work, put a, a good amount of brain power towards. Um, so yeah, um, I do want to wrap up just with my favorite memory, and that is going to be of the Western Psychological Association convention that we went to on April 28th, just uh, like a week, a week ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, it was such a great time, and I think what I, like looking back on it retrospectively, what I really appreciated is there was just a community of people who came together just to talk about ideas. Like to me, it's, I know it's nerdy, but it's, it's so great. I think it's so amazing just, uh, just to think about it. Like j just uh, not worry about any of these other things and just have deep conversations uh, with other people. I, I think it's, so th this comes from actually a little, uh, there is a little bit of, backstory to this so I guess I'll go into it which is there's a little bit of a, a divide between where I want to study because if you recall correctly as I said earlier in the podcast um, I'm economics and psychology so I don't want to just study economics but I don't want to study just psychology this very heavily plays into the core concepts of the book I'm writing um, which is you know which would in this situation being use psychological concepts in economics to maybe analyze suboptimal decision-making and like the rational actor model and all that stuff, or using economic uh, models and concepts in psychology to understand behavior there and all that stuff. Um, so there is a divide between kind of the two, which is a, it's a little bit weird to be almost the bridge between these two fields because I got, okay, I'm not putting any blame on Ventura College, the, the current institute where I go. Uh, this happens apparently at a lot of other places too, because if I go to my economics professor and, you know, I want to talk about economy and economics, economic concepts, and I say, hey, you know, here's some interesting neuroscience or here's some interesting anthro anthropology or sociology. He doesn't want to talk about that. He knows economics and that's what he wants to study. And I, that's that's totally okay. You know, some professors, they they talk about it, but you know, it's clearly not their, it's not their field of understanding. So there's not always tons they can contribute. 
And I similarly have gone to uh, my psych professors and, you know, about economics or philosophy or ethics or, you know, cognitive or not so much cognitive science, but um, those type of topics. And it's a similar response, which is, you know, that that's really interesting that you're able to tie these two together, but that's not my field of expertise. So there's this weird little divide that exists between me being able to put psych in econ terms and econ in psych terms and going to this convention, it was really great because there were people, uh, a little, I guess, unusual people. And I, and I guess by the very nature that they were in academia or that they were atten attending a psychological convention does put them into a you know little bit of an unconventional uh, category. But um, it was amazing because all of these people, I, I go, you know, here, here's what I want to do. And, you know, I want to put psych into economics terms or whatever it is. And they go, oh, that's interesting. You know, let me hear this out. Right? I know about psychology. Let me learn about economics. And so there's so many people there just willing to listen and have a conversation and learn. It, it was the community of just learning that was so amazing. I, I, I guess I was more moved for it than, I, than I'm kind of realizing. But it was so great just to be in that environment. Anyways, long-winded way of saying go to a convention uh, if it's something you're passionate or interested or you just want to try out. Um, great ways of interacting with the community and getting a good idea of what you're getting yourself into. Anyways, uh, that was the podcast. I hope you guys all enjoyed. Um, a lot longer than I thought it was. But anyways, yeah. Oh, Bye.